Well, good morning. Welcome all for coming out this morning and this uh, great Sunday. Well, today's message is based on Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11, and it's titled, The Gift. But before we get into the subject matter, we'll start off with something a little funny. And uh, we have two boys that were spending the night at their grandparents' house about a week before Christmas. And at bedtime, both boys knelt right next to their beds to say their prayers. Then the younger one started praying at the top of his lungs. I pray for a new bicycle. And I pray for a Nintendo. Well, then his older brother kind of leaned over, nudged him, and said, Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. Then the little brother says, No, but grandma is. <laughs> Christmas is only 10 days away. And on that morning, children and adults will all be unpacking their Christmas gifts. According to a study by the National Retail Federation, Americans are projected to spend more money than any time in history on their Christmas gifts. And according to a Gallup study, Americans are projected to spend an average of $856 on Christmas gifts. Now, growing up in Holland, gifts were exchanged at the evening of December 5th, the day of St. Nicholas. And it was not uncommon for the gift to have a rhyme attached to it. And some of these rhymes could get quite elaborate. But speaking of rhymes, the other day I heard a story of a lady who wanted to buy Christmas gifts for her whole circle of friends. But she had been too busy to be buying gifts. So as time was running short, and now being very close to Christmas, City decided to give up on the gifts and instead buy everyone a beautiful Christmas card. So she went to the local gift store and hastily went to whatever was left in that store. And, and she found a box of 50, just the number she was looking for. She didn't take the time to actually read the message, but she liked that picture portraying the spirit of Christmas. And she thought by herself, this is just perfect. So she signed the back of each card, Merry Christmas, love. Well, then the holidays were over, and she cleaned all the papers off her desk, and she ran across that one card that she hadn't sent. And for the first time, she actually looked inside the card. And she actually read what it said. And in it, it had a simple little rhyme. This Christmas card is just to say that a gift is on the way. <laughs> oh, can you imagine receiving a message with the promise 
that a gift is on the way? What an exciting prospect that must be. And this is exactly what happened when God made the promise that a gift was on the way. And he used the prophet Isaiah to deliver that message 2,800 years ago. Or the equivalent of that Christmas card is a message found in Isaiah 35. Art, a little bit earlier, read from Isaiah 35. And these are some of the things that said in that message. Here is your God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. <coughs> what a delightful message that must have been. But it took a long time of expectedly, expectedly waiting before this gift was finally delivered. Our opening hymn this morning was come the long expected Jesus. For centuries, the Jewish people were anxiously waiting and expecting the arrival of the Messiah, as had been foretold all the way back in the 8th century BC by Isaiah. But God does things on his timeline, not on ours. And 800 years later, he sent his only begotten son to dwell among the people. In other words, the gift to the world. <coughs> well, the Bible mentions gift, the word gift, 58 times. But it is most cited in the Gospel of Matthew and the letter to the Romans by Paul. Today's reading is in Matthew 11, verses 2 to 11, and it depicts the arrival of the gift from heaven and the manifestation that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, as had been foretold by Isaiah. Well, this reading can be found in your pew Bible on page 11, and I'll give you a moment to, to pull that up. But before reading the word of God, please bow down in praise. <coughs> Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find wisdom, and in your will discover your peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So Matthew 11 Verses 2, starting at verse 2. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So first two start when John is in prison. Oh, you may wonder, who's John? John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. He was born only six months earlier as an only child to Zacharias and Elizabeth. John was a teacher and a prophet. And he had a following of Israelites that were hungry and thirsty of the soul. And they were anxious for the anticipated arrival of the Messiah. John received the word of God in the wilderness to spread a message of repentance and love for others by sharing with the less fortunate in society. The place where John did his baptizing was the exact same location where Joshua had led the Israelites through the Jordan into the Promised Land 1,500 years earlier after spending 40 years in the wilderness. John the Baptist played a key role in the launch of Jesus' ministry. Now let me illustrate this role with the following analogy. Did anyone see the 49er game last Sunday? Beating the New Orleans Saints, 48 to 46. What an epic game that was. Now, one of the keys to the 49ers' success this year is their amazing running record. Second only in the NFL this year. But no one can touch the record of Emmett Smith, the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. He played for Dallas, for the Dallas Cowboys, for 13 years including three Super Bowl victories. Smith was the only running back to ever receive a Super Bowl Most Valuable Player Award. Emmett Smith had a career total 
of 18,350 yards of running the ball, 164 touchdowns. And he was inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame in 2010. But much lesser known is the fallback, Daryl Johnston, who was the lead blocker, opening up those lanes for Emmett Smith. He was the one who paved the way for Smith to make all these yards. Now, so it is with John the Baptist, who paved the way for the Lord at, as prophesied in Isaiah 40. Clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. So in verse 2, John had been arrested. He had been thrown in prison for condemning King Herod, who had divorced his wife and now unlawfully took Herodias, the wife of his brother. So John asked Jesus in verse 2, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we the way to wait for another? John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But here he is confined in a prison cell. And he started to wonder if perhaps he was wrong. Now let's give a little background. The Jewish people in those days had a perception of the Messiah as the powerful warrior that would kick out the Romans of the land of Israel and establish his kingdom. But then Jesus indisputably answers John's doubts in verse 5, reporting on the amazing things that he has done when he said the following, the blind receive their sight. This is a true testimony of the sanctity of Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible is there a recording of blind being healed, except for Jesus performing his, this particular miracle on four separate occasions. In Matthew 9.27, Mark 8.22, Mark 10.46, and John 9.1. Then he says, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Every one of these compassionate acts is a solid proof that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. The one Isaiah had predicted was to come in that delightful message. In Isaiah 35.5. In other words, Jesus was not the warrior Messiah that most had been expecting. But rather, he was the gift to the world. The gift to mankind. Then in verse 7 through 9, Jesus poses some rhetorical questions by asking the crowd what they thought of John the Baptist. Why were they so interested in him? He was a humble prophet who spoke with a piercing message. 
But then Jesus pointed out that John was more than just a prophet. Because he served as his forerunner. Jesus proclaimed John was the greatest prophet of all time. Which is pretty amazing when you consider Moses and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and any of the other prophets. John had the distinct privilege of introducing the Messiah to his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, but also to the world. In verse 11, Jesus said, The least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than John the Baptist. Now, how can that be? He was underscoring the extraordinary privilege of being in the kingdom. John paved the way for the coming of the Messiah. But those in the kingdom actually experience the glory of heaven. To use another football metaphor, they get to celebrate the touchdown in the end zone and share the glory with the rest of the team. Even the least in the kingdom have a better understanding than all the prophets combined. Because they know the love of God as showed on the cross. And this is where the gift comes into the picture. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is the gift. And in turn, he provides the gift. He is the gift that keeps on giving. Paul calls it the unspeakable gift of God in 2 Corinthians 9.15. And in Romans 6.23, Paul wrote, The gift of God is eternal life. Now, the timing of the gift is everything. And let me illustrate this with a true story that I heard on my way home on Friday night. The wife of a policeman in Iowa was doing some early Christmas shopping in June of 1977, looking for an appropriate gift to give to her husband. She found what she was looking for, but the price was out of her range. But there was only one of those gifts left. So she said to the salesperson, can you put this gift away for me? I will pay you some money now, and I'll pay you some money every single month, all the way up to Christmas, and then I'll, then I'll, I'll take it home. So the salesperson looked her in her eyes, and he said, she said, it is fine that you make monthly payments, that you give me some money right now, but take this gift home now. You never know what might happen between now 
and Christmas. Well, when she came home with this Christmas gift, she was so excited. She couldn't wait until Christmas. And she gave the gift to her husband that day. Fast forward October 1st, 1977, when her husband responded to a robbery call at a drugstore in Bettendorf, Iowa. He walked over to the suspect's car when suddenly the door opened and the suspect pointed a 45 caliber gun and fired from three feet away, dead center in the stomach of the policeman. Later that morning, two officers stood at the doorstep of his home to break the bad news to the wife. When she saw the grave look on the officers' faces, she broke down in tears. They said, her husband, your husband is in the yard with a huge bruise on his belly, but he will be released in a few hours. The gift that she had bought and had prematurely given to her husband was a bulletproof vest. A bulletproof vest. And it saved his life. It's like that with the gift of God. This is the free gift that will save your life forever. Paul wrote in Romans 6.23, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. But in order to accept this free gift, we need to surrender. And we need to give ourselves to Christ. <laughs> well, surrendering in light of adversity is not easy. And let me illustrate this with an example. Tuesday before Thanksgiving, Humboldt County experienced what they called a bomb cyclone. With wind so strong that it knocked the power out of many homes in Humboldt County, including ours. It took multiple days for PG&E crews to restore all the power lines. Well, for us, it meant Thanksgiving without electricity. Our little generator kept the refrigerator and the freezer from spoiling the food. But the rest of the house was dark. As the day went on, we eventually surrendered to making the best of it. As it was starting to get dark, we got a fire going in the wood stove, ready to bundle up to read a book. But then, when, the, when we were no longer expecting it, the whole house lit up like a flash from heaven. When suddenly the power came back on, it truly felt like a free gift. Often we don't realize all the things we take for granted, and we should be thankful. What a joyous moment that was, to have a warm, well-lit house again. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9.15, 
Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Surrender to Jesus and ask him to come into your heart. He will respond and he will provide you with the gift that is so powerful. It dwarfs any gift that you ever have received or ever will receive. He said in Luke eleven nine, ask and it shall be given. Don't wait any longer with asking. Do it today. Ask for it today. And he will come into your heart and soul. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 14, small is the gate and narrow is the way to life. When that inevitable time comes, he will lead us through that narrow gate into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Amen. And our next hymn is hymn number nine.